Today on the Dean Dome Talk, we've got the end of the Olympics, a look into SEC football, basically a preview, a preview of AFC football in the NFL, a look at the a very, very uh, milestone occurrence in soccer this year, or that the, the just happened, sorry, uh, a look at a lot of movement, movement in the NBA for agency, a big arms race, and uh Ended off with a little bit of talk about Summer League. But first, it's tip-off time on the Dean Dome Top. to the Dean Don't Talk. I am Gaddy. Joining me once again is Andrew. Hey, everyone. And uh, the Olympics are over. Yeah. Sports are um, a little bit of a slumber, but I gotta say the uh, NBA free agency has been absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a week's time, European soccer is getting back into gear. Uh, with the Premier League starting up real soon. But first, we've got some quickfire facts, if you'd like to take it away, Andrew. Yes, we sure do. So, um, first off, like Gaddy said, the Olympics have ended. And looking at the medal standings, the U.S. did, I would say, pretty good. They finished first in number of bronze medals, silver medals, and gold medals. So, pure domination right there. Let's go USA. Pretty exciting. Love to see it. Love to see it. And, you know, especially since it's so many different sports, it's nice to see the U.S. do so well in all those different sports. Um, but the next the next bit of quickfire news is a little bit sad. Bobby Bowden, who was the head coach of Florida State football from 1976 through 2009, he passed away just the other day um, on August the 8th which is the day that this podcast is being recorded at 91 years old. He was known as one of the, one of the best football coaches of all time, two national championships in 1993, 1999 and 12 ACC titles with Florida state. And he really, he's the one who created modern Florida state football. So, you know, thoughts and prayers go out to his family. I believe uh, those pancreatic cancer, right? Yes, yes. Pancreatic cancer is a real mean thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. A couple famous people have gotten it, including Steve Jobs, and it's not easy to treat. Mm -hmm. It is not easy to treat. So uh, it is very, very unfortunate. Condolences to the family. Yeah, very sad. But on another note, this past weekend 
and this really this whole past week, the NFL has had their Hall of Fame week. It started off with you know some different events, and then there was the Hall of Fame game between the Steelers and Cowboys. And then they had the Hall of Fame ceremony. But this time there were two different ceremonies because last year, because of COVID, the ceremony got canceled. So they moved the class of 2020, which was the centennial class of the Hall of Fame. They moved that to this weekend. And then they also, I believe, are doing the class of 2021 tonight on August the 8th. So a great time to be able to celebrate the great careers of great players and coaches. Um, I remember I watched from the class of 2020, Bill Cowher's speech, Jimmy Johnson's speech, uh, Troy Polamalu was also elected into the Hall of Fame. So some very big names. And in the class of 2021, they're going to be some big names as well. And yeah, so everyone, if you have a chance, watch the speeches. They tend to be pretty good. Next up is a bit of news from soccer. So we're jumping from American football to European football. The team AS Roma, which is from the city Rome, Italy, they are in the top flight of Italian football. The eternal city. The eternal city. The eternal city. They have a manager who is quite famous, Jose Mourinho. We've we've talked about him before on this podcast, and this is his first year with Roma. Well, the season hasn't even started yet, and Mourinho's already gotten a red card. Already? It's (laughs) preseason. It's preseason, yes. There's a preseason game. They were playing a team from Spain, Real uh, Betis, I believe. And Mourinho and three of Roma's players all got red cards in a preseason game. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That is uh, both the most Jose Mourinho thing to happen and also... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so unexpected it's preseason it's a friendly it's, right right the game doesn't literally does not matter so i mean they're getting a little excited over nothing this has no impact on anything um one of the roma players it was actually pretty funny he strongly disagreed with one of the um one of the calls of the ref so he went up and you know gave him gave the ref a handshake and basically said good job ref um and that that kind of got him thrown out of the game it was in the middle of other stuff uh Jose Mourinho had run out on the field while the player was trying to <laughs> shake the ref's hand very sarcastically it was quite a scene there's a video of it Jose so Mourinho is quite the character yeah that's... don't don't back him into a corner when it's in the press conference he'll explode on you <laughs> he's quite the actor so quite he, the character is one way to put it he comes into <laughs> clubs promising to win trophies leaves the club sort of in tatters and with a lot of drama but the, yeah. the ride along the way it starts off good in the middle it's great and then it ends terribly yeah so that, that's the but he, i mean he guys. wins trophies at the clubs he you uh, know well tottenham hotspur begs to differ <laughs> Yes. Now they, the one problem with Tottenham was uh, Jose Mourinho got them to a final and the EFL Cup final. And the weekend before the final, they Tottenham fired him. So I, I feel like there's an asterisk there, you know, because he he's he's won trophies at every club but Tottenham, and I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? He might have been able to win. They didn't give him the chance. 
Possibly. I think it was versus Man City, so I wasn't I wouldn't be hundred percent sure of that. Yeah, yeah, true. True. Um but hopping back across the pond to news from the US, or really from the US and Japan. USA basketball made it to the gold medal game where there it was a rematch against France. Who, if you remember, France had beaten the U.S. recently. They beat U.S. in the group stage of the Olympics, 83-76. But this time, the U.S. was able to win the gold medal and beat France in the process. Kevin Durant had an amazing game of 29 points. Jason Tatum had uh, seven rebounds. Draymond Green led the assists for the team with five assists, and uh, U.S. were able to win, 87-82. Good job, guys. Got some redemption. Uh, actually, something else on here relating to the Olympics, Team USA Baseball. Uh, I noticed the other day they didn't get gold. Really? They got silver. Ooh, who they to? They lost 2-0 in the final to Japan. Really? Yes. Really? And third was the Dominican Republic. Interesting, interesting. The DR is known for producing some good um, MLB players, but still, seeing such a small country get all the way to bronze, that's impressive. Yeah. Uh, That's just something I I remember. I forgot to write it down, but I I was extremely surprised. I believe this is Japan's first Olympic gold. In baseball, really, really, yes, I think oh, so. So that's pretty cool to get it done at home. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, then one last bit of Olympic news: a member of the women's track and field team for the U.S. named Allison Felix, she won her eleventh, eleventh Olympic medal. That is a lot of bling. Eleven. Yeah, she won bronze in the 400 meter just the other day, and um, she's become the most decorated American track and field athlete in U.S. history. Not just for women's track and field, for men's track and field, too, which, I mean, the U.S. have had some absolutely fantastic, fantastic track and field athletes. I mean, Allison Felix, you know, sometimes the, the athletes from, you know, sports like track and field and swimming, they kind of get forgotten about a little bit but i mean we need to focus on her she won her first medal in the 2004 athens olympics that was and a, now she was that was a long time ago <laughs> a very long time ago and she's still winning medals now like absolutely crazy absolutely crazy um but that that wraps up the quick fire hats off to allison felix and the u.s basketball team and yeah, that's also the end of the Olympics. The, the yeah. Olympic torch is out. The closing ceremony concluded, and the French flag has been raised for Paris twenty twenty four. Ooh, ooh, yeah, exciting. So, uh, can't wait. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Yeah, I, I believe that karate uh, was a, was a special event this year, but it's not going to be an event in Paris. Really? So, yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of curious. What are they going to do in Paris? It's not going to be that wasn't in Japan. You know, something special, you know. Well, I've heard that some people are pushing for cornhole to be the next great Olympic sport. <laughs> cornhole, according to ESPN. Yeah. Ah. Cornhole. <laughs> uh, 
which would be interesting. But other thing to think about too, with in terms of um, next Olympics, will Kevin Durant be there next year? Because Kevin Durant has been like the he's holding up the team by himself, right? Really holding up the U.S. national team, and I think he has the record for most points in like for for an American basketball player in the Olympics, which I mean, remember the dream team with Michael Jordan and all those guys. So like that's really saying something. And he'll be thirty six in the next Olympics. I wonder whether or not he'll, he'll I think be I around. think he could do it. It's I think it's gonna depend on if he's gonna be in the postseason when he's thirty six or not. But we'll get mm-hmm. we'll get some more more about Kevin Durant when we talk about the NBA. Yeah, true, true. And uh so Hopefully, I'll remember to bring up the, uh, the this Olympic thing again then. But uh, yeah. I guess it's uh, moving along. The the UNC news is in relation to the NBA, so we'll pass on that until then as well. So uh, I believe you also have uh, now a preview for SEC football. Yes. Yeah, so last time we previewed the ACC in the Big Ten, plus um, Notre Dame since they're, you know, Kind of ACC, kind of not. ACC this wannabes. Tweet, yeah, the ACC wannabes. Although, really, they fit more into the Big Ten and the Pac-12 because that's where their rivals are. So it kind of you know makes it confusing why they're going to go, why they're more of trying to get into the ACC slash in the ACC for all sports, both football. But yeah. Um, anyways, SECs today. There are two divisions: the East and the West. In the East, which we're going to start, the seven teams are Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Missouri, Tennessee, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. And so kind of like what I did for a lot of the divisions last week, I'm going to start at the bottom. The bottom of the division is going to be clearly Vanderbilt. They have a new coach, Clark Leo. He's never been a head coach before, and he is inheriting well, not the best team in the world. Frankly, it's an awful program and the toughest con- conference in the country. And in my opinion, Vanderbilt might be the hardest job in the country because like, they're in a division with Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee. Is this a poison and, chalice then? Yeah, yeah. It's uh. like... <laughs> no, that, it definitely is. Um, no, I mean, honestly, it's not really the type of job that... I would think many people would want to take, but here we have someone who took the job and it's going to be a rough year for them. They're going to finish at the bottom. They just don't have talent. Uh, Next up in sixth in the division is going to be South Carolina. In my opinion, they also have a new head coach, which is going to be a theme for this division. Lots of new head coaches, which allows opportunity for, you know, stuff to kind of fly around, but, can cause some problems for the teams with the new coaches. So the new coach for South Carolina is Shane Beamer. If that name sounds familiar, is because his dad, Frank Beamer, was the head coach of Virginia Tech, who led Virginia Tech to seven conference titles, seven top ten appearances, um, and an appearance in the national championship game of 1999. So big shoes to fill, given what his dad has accomplished. But South Carolina is a program that has potential. You know, it's in a good area to recruit from because you can, you know, you have 
the base in South Carolina. You can reach up into North Carolina and Virginia to get recruits um, and then still recruit in the rest of SEC country. But it's his first year on the job, and he lost a lot of talent to the NFL. Cornerback J.C. Horn, wide receiver Shai Smith, and some others, they just don't have enough talent to really do anything, so they're going to be sixth in the, in the division. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, but for the future, though, they, they, have, a, they have a bright future because I think Shane Beamer, if he can be anything like his dad, he's going to be awesome. So next up on the list in fifth in the division is going to be Tennessee. Like the last two teams, they have a new head coach as well. And Josh Heupel, I think that's how you say it, H-E-U-P-E-L. He's also a familiar name because he was the head coach at UCF for the past few years. Was he the one who took UCF to an undefeated season? No, that was uh, Scott Frost, who is um, uh, at Nebraska now. But he was the one who followed Scott Frost up. I mean, he had a, his in twenty eighteen. He was he had a, he did have an undefeated regular season, but then they lost in the bowl game to LSU. Um, I mean, overall, like he did well, although last year was kind of iffy for the team. But he's at Tennessee, and again, like Tennessee is a program that is supposed to be amazing. Nayland Stadium, when it's filled with a hundred thousand people. Like, that is such a tough environment to play in. They've produced legends such as Peyton Manning. But the program's kind of, you know, not been looking too hot recently. The main question for me is the the quarterback. Who's going to be quarterback for them? They have a sophomore named Harrison Bailey who is um, who was a top 100 recruit. And then they brought in transfer from Michigan named Joe Milton, who started a little bit from Michigan, and then senior transfer from Virginia Tech, Hendon Hooker. It's going to be kind of a toss-up who's going to get the the starting quarterback job. I personally think Hooker would be the, the starter because he has the most experience, plus he's a dual threat you know, option, but it could be Joe Milton too. Again, a lot of potential, and I think this team will you know, there's, they have some talent on the team, so I think they'll make a bowl game, but fifth in the division, though. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Next up is the Missouri team. I'm going to say they're fourth in the division. They have a young coach as well, Eli Drinkowitz. He is going into his second year, though, so, you know, he got the chance to to be a coach last year, although in a very abnormal year. And he did decent with the team. They finished third in the division last year at five and five overall um, and had a huge win at LSU. So he showed a lot of potential last year, and I think he'll continue to show potential this year. And I feel like it's one of those situations with the team looking at the roster. They could either – it's, it's going to go one of – I feel like it's going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be they say, well, last year was just the beginning of what Missouri is going to do, and then they're going to take a step up. And they're also going to take a step up because of this you know, turnover in head coaches for Tennessee, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. Or they're going to take a step down and kind of have that second-year slump under their coach who's going to be in their second year. 
I think they're going to do decent. I think they're going to make a bowl game, but fourth is where I'm putting them. Also, yeah, yeah, I, I can't really argue against that. Yeah, the next, the top three is where where it gets interesting. And if you're kind of paying attention, the three teams we have left: <laughs> uh, Florida, Georgia, and Kentucky. I'm actually going to put Florida at third in the division. Maybe this is one of my hot takes. <laughs> it probably is. Uh, I, I'm going to uh, go ahead and say your second is a hot take. Yeah, I'm saying Kentucky. <laughs> Kentucky finishes second in their division. <laughs> Sounds pretty wild. I know. I know. But but let me try to explain Kentucky it. football finishing higher in the SEC East than their basketball team finished in <laughs> the SEC <laughs> last year. <laughs> That's when you know it's a crazy year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when Kentucky football does better than Kentucky basketball. Um, yeah, so part of the reason is, I mean, I think it's going to be a runaway for Georgia for the division. They just, like, recruit so well. Just their dominant recruiting force. In the class of 2019, they were second in the country in recruiting. Class of 2020, they were first in the country in recruiting. Class of 2021, they were fourth in the country in recruiting. So this team is stacked, like absolutely stacked. Plus, they bring back their quarterback from last year, JT Daniels. Now, he he's kind of an interesting story because he was a really high recruit and um, things weren't really you know going well for JT Daniels at first. He... Um, he actually started at started his career at USC and then things didn't work out. Then he transferred to Georgia and he was not the starter last year, but then the lack, but he became the starter midway through the year. And through the last four games, he dominated for Georgia um, 10 intercept, 10 touchdowns to two interceptions, 67%, you know, completion percentage looked very good. He helped them win the peach bowl against number eight, Cincinnati. And I think that that's going to make a big difference, and you know, especially when you look at their overall depth from their recruiting. They also have a great running back in Zamir White. I think is going to have a have a really good year, a really good year. So they're going to finish top of the division. Now Kentucky versus Florida. <laughs> I mean, the thing with Florida is that they had a fantastic year, but they lost their starting quarterback Kyle Trask in the second round. They lost um, tight end Kyle Pitts, who was just an absolute force. I think he he was the number four pick in the NFL he to, draft. He went to uh, the the Falcons, right? The Falcons, yes. Yeah, he, he was a very Falcons. very good pick. Yes, a very good, pick. great pick for the for the Falcons. He's going to be a great NFL player. I mean, some people were saying he's one of the best tight end prospects in many many years. So they lose those two, those two players. Plus, they lose their. You know, one of their better wide receivers or best wide receiver, Kadarius Tony, who was also a first round pick. He was picked number 20th in the draft to the New York Giants. That's a lot to be losing. That's a lot to be losing your best quarterback, wide receiver, and tight ends, especially when they're very good at those positions. I'm a little concerned about who they're next quarterback's going to be and who the guys are going to be that step up now florida recruits very well so it might turn out to be where their replacements do very well but still a little bit of concern to have that much of a drop off in what you're losing plus 
Kentucky, something that I think is going to really help them is that their head coach, Mark Stoops, he has been the head coach for eight years. Now, remember what I was saying when I was talking about the other teams. Vanderbilt, first-year head coach. South Carolina, first year at South Carolina as a head coach. Tennessee, first-year coach. Missouri, second-year coach. So many, so much inexperience in that division. And you have Mark Stoops, who has lots of experience. And I think that's going to really help out and make a difference in those games against Missouri, Tennessee, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and help give them give them wins. Plus, a couple other things. They, you know, they bring back so much of their defensive line and their defensive backs, which adds to this theme of this is an experienced group. Their offensive line, also very experienced. Their running back, top running back, Chris Rodriguez, he averaged 6.6 yards per carry last year. 6.6, like that's insane. And I just look at it and say, okay, you have experience on defense, you have experience on offensive line, you have a great running back, your coach is experienced, and you're, you know, the, the, the Florida is losing lots of players, other teams, new head coaches, and plus the Florida game, that's in Kentucky. You don't have to play on the road. You don't have to play in the swamp. That's the that decider. One. That's the decider right there. Yeah. It does. It just feels like it's all building towards Kentucky having having a great year. The winner Mark of that Stoops, game, the winner of that game is going to finish above the other. Right. Basically. Right. Basically. Mhm. Mhm. Definitely. Yeah. The winner finishes second in the division. And Mark Stoop has had good years before. In um, 2018, I think it was his best year. They were 10 and three overall, and they um, they finished second in the division that year. And they were actually tied with Florida, but because they had beaten Florida in 2018, they were able to finish second in the division. So I just feel like it's another kind of semi, you know, it's it, it feels like it's a similar situation to 2018. So that's that's why I'm picking Kentucky. Hot take right there. That is that is a little bit of a hot take, but given what you said, it makes sense. It really mm-hmm. makes sense. But like it also, like you said, there's nobody to challenge Georgia. Here. Right. Nobody's right. going to challenge Georgia for the SEC East. Yeah. Just no one has the the depth that Georgia has. Florida lost too much. Like they recruit well, but they just lost way too much. Yeah. Um it's really going to come down to how well their new recruits stack up and how well they can get into the system. Right. So right. but so the SEC East is no contest really for first. Yeah. The SEC West, as I see here, is uh yes. not the same. Not the same story. Yes, it is not the same. I um uh I'm gonna say there's gonna be a three way tie for the division in the SEC West. <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> um yes. Do elaborate. Do elaborate on that. Yes, I will elaborate. Now maybe I should go from the bottom up again. So I'll just kind of some of the teams in the bottom, it's going to be quick. Arkansas is at the, um, going to be seventh in the division. They just don't have much talent. It's a rough job, and it's the toughest division in football when you have Alabama, Auburn, Texas A&M, and LSU every single year. Like, that sucks. I feel bad for Arkansas fans. Next up is going to be Ole Miss. Um, Lane Kiffin, like, he's an exciting coach, and, you know, he just – 
you know, Ole Miss is an exciting place, but you know, it's the, it's the beginning of the rebuild, still the beginning of the rebuild for Lane Kiffin. Now, initially I was going to say Mississippi State finished fifth and then LSU finished fourth, but a, a couple different things. I really like Mike Leach as a head coach. He's the uh, head coach of Mississippi State. He joined, I want to say, last year. Last year was his first year at Mississippi State. He Before that, um, he was at Washington State for a long time. And really, I mean, they were very competitive at Washington State. They actually won the division, their division in 2018. But they Mississippi State, for their first year in the program, they, they did pretty well. Um, also LSU, they lost their top two receivers in the draft. Yeah, you know, that's rough. It really is. I mean, they, they lost Jamar Chase, who was the number five pick in the draft. And then Terrace Marshall, which was a second round pick. That's, I mean, <laughs> those guys were so good. And you, you just losing that much talent is concerning. Also, some news that kind of pushed it over the edge for me why I'm going to put Mississippi State over LSU is that um, their projected starting quarterback, Miles Brennan, had an injury. Uh, so he – that's, that's not good either. This is going to be yeah. a down year for LSU. Yeah going to be a down year and also last year was a down year too and that was a little bit of a concern like they were they were five and five last year which by uh lsu standards that's terrible that yeah right going from winning it all to five and five is yeah rough now they think miles brennan will be able to come back they initially thought that oh well he's going to be out for the whole year but now they said he's he is going to come back at some point they just don't know how long you know how long it'll be um it's actually kind of funny he broke his non-throwing arm i mean not funny but you know yeah i don't think that's funny it's not funny okay i shouldn't have said that not funny it's just interesting that you know in such a, a sport that is very 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 physical that the quarterback is gonna suffer an injury while fishing oh huh yeah that's unexpected yeah, according to his father, his his okay. father told local news station that he broke his non-throwing arm while fishing. Not really too sure how that happens. Maybe it was a really big fish he was trying to control. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope he got the, I got a picture of a fish. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, ho- hope he has a speedy recovery. Anyways, that is just not, you know, things are just not going well. Plus, LSU's kind of come under some controversy which we won't really go into recruitment um, stuff because i don't know much enough about but yeah so that leaves us the top three teams auburn alabama texas and so please do tell me how all three of these teams are gonna tie for first yes so i guess the way to start is to talk about say what's the positive for each team and then what's the negative for each team Right, Alabama. All their eleven starters from last year, they're all coming back on defense. Like they're all of their eleven defensive starters, they're all coming back. Now I don't know if all of them are going to start because like they bring in so many great players, but still, 
you bring back your entire defense, good things usually happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um they so it's just like, well, wow, that's gonna be problematic for other teams because Alabama's good enough when they lose people, but when you're bringing back that much. Now the problem is though, they are losing like their entire offense. They um well they lost six players to the first round of the NFL draft. Six of their players were first round draft picks. The uh, total of eight were drafted in the first two rounds. That's like a fifth. That's like uh, just under a fifth of their team. Or a yes. fifth of the a fifth no, a fifth of the picks, sorry. A fifth of the picks in the draft in the first round were from Alabama. <laughs> from Alabama, yeah. Um and uh you know, six six of those eight picks were on offense. So that I mean that makes me concerned. Like they lose their starting quarterback, they lose their starting running running back, and they lose their top two wide receivers who just who they're not just good receivers. Jalen Waddle was, you know, the sixth pick in the draft, and I think that shows you something. And Devontae Smith, he was a Heisman Trophy winner. Actually, Jalen Waddle was picked before Devontae Smith, so that like that shows you something that you know they picked Jalen Waddle before the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. That shows you how just dominant those two receivers are. Like Alabama's deep, they recruit very well, but when you lose that much, just there's got to be a little bit of a drop off. So it's it's one of these up in the air situations. Like, okay, is their defense going to carry them home? Which I mean, that's, really that's gonna have to be what happens the defense has to let the team survive long enough for the offense to get ticking so right. that early season is gonna be really rough for them yeah yeah um so it's yeah it's gonna be they lose a lot on offense but they bring back so much on defense which and they also recruit well so so the, the positives and negatives now you look at auburn auburn is bringing back a veteran quarterback and it's the only of the three teams to be bringing back their quarterback from last year, Bo Nix. Now, Bo Nix gets some hate sometimes. I think he's better than people, you know, make him out to be. He was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. Um, he had some, you know, consistency issues at times, but the talent is really there. The talent is really there. And I think that com- now that he's going into his third year as the starter – that's really going to help. And I think that experience is going to make itself known. Also, the they didn't really lose too much from last year. Like, they just, yeah, they didn't lose much. They lost four guys to the NFL draft. None of them were in the first or second rounds. So that's, that's a positive. That's a positive. Plus, they bring in a, this, a new coach, which could either be a positive or or it could be a negative. Um, Brian Harson is his name. He was the head coach at Boise State for you know five or six years. From well, actually, I'm, I'm looking it up from 2014 to 2020, and he had some great teams from Boise State. So I think he's going to be a good coach. He's going to you know breathe some new life into the team. And another thing, the last time Auburn hired a coach, Gus Malzahn, in his first year, 
Auburn got to the national championship game. So um, now we have another guy going into his first year. Maybe it's an Auburn tradition. Uh, could it become an Auburn tradition that first-year coaches do great? Maybe, maybe not. So that that's my reason for Auburn. Veteran QB, don't lose too much. Finally, Texas A&M. They, they lost their starting quarterback, which sucks. Kellen Mond was a you know pretty good player. But Jimbo Fisher is a phenomenal coach, and the program's really going in a great direction. The past three years, Texas A&M's been top 10 in the country in recruiting. And their quarterback or projected starter, Haynes King, I think is going to be pretty good. Also, their schedule looks nice. The Alabama and Auburn games, they're both at home. Oh, They're both at home. Plus, the Auburn game, Texas A&M gets a bye the week before. Okay. An extra week to prepare. That is very, very good. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Um, so it's just like it feels like okay, wait a second. Like we already have a good team. Last year they were nine and one. Um, they finished second in, in the division and won the Orange Bowl, which is you know one of the biggest bowl games, and they did so against UNC. Um, so they were they played very well last year. This year, their toughest games are at home, plus they get a bye before their before the Auburn game. They've got some good pieces, been recruiting well. I feel like it's going to be good. Now, to, so I said, okay, all three of these teams are good. So the question is, okay, well, why are they going to – how are they all going to tie for the division? And so what I'm going to say is that all Auburn, Alabama, Texas A&M, they're all going to win all of the games – that are not against each other. And then I'm going to say that Auburn is going to be able to beat Alabama because that game is um, at Auburn plus veteran quarterback in a big rivalry game like that, I think is going to help compared to Alabama. Uh, Bryce Young, it's going to be his first year as a starter. And I think that's going to shine through in that game. So that's so Auburn gives Alabama that one loss. But I'm going to say Auburn loses at Texas A&M because Texas A&M, that's, you know, Kyle Field. That's a tough place to play, especially yeah. when A&M is coming off of a bye. So I'm saying Auburn's 11-1, 7-1 in And I just said Texas A&M will beat Auburn, but I'm going to say they're going to lose versus Alabama. Reason why? That defense, bringing back that much of their defense, plus how dominant Alabama's been recruiting, they finished number one in the country in 2021 and 2019 in recruiting, plus it's Nick Saban. I think that gives them the win against Texas A&M. But like I already said, Alabama loses to Auburn at Auburn because it's a road game plus experience. So all of them are going to be 11-1, 7-1 in, in the conference. And I actually, you know, so they all win the division title. But the question is, who gets to go to the SEC championship game against Georgia? Hmm. It took me a while. It took me a long time, actually, to figure out how to figure that out. I went to the SEC's football's website and was scrolling through the divisional tiebreaker. 
you know, the different divisional tiebreakers. Yeah. And I scroll down to, okay, what happens if three teams tie, right? Well, you first have to decide it based on head-to-head record. Well, based on my projections, the head-to-head records are all going to be equal, okay? Mm-hmm. And then you go through the next option. Well, they would be tied based off of the next option. The third tiebreaker, they would still be tied. Fourth tiebreaker still would be tied. <laughs> Fifth tiebreaker still would be tied. So what are these tiebreakers? <laughs> um, so the second one is um, uh, record of the tied teams within the division, meaning like ha- not just what is their conference record, but what is their division record. Okay. And I'm having them as beating the other teams in the division except for each other. So they're still tied there. Um, and then it's head-to-head... Co- uh, competition against the team within the division with the best overall conference record and then going so basically how did you do against like the fourth best team in the division versus the fifth sixth seventh but they're all tied right they're all tied um and then it is the um overall conference record against non-divisional teams why well, i'm saying that the losses are only against each other so still tied um <laughs> so how many tiebreakers do we have to go down now so it, it to letter g so i'll go ahead and skip there to <laughs> oh, letter gosh. letter g um and what that is is best cumulative conference winning percentage of non-division opponents um and so each team has two non-division opponents for um where do I have it? For Alabama, that's Florida and Tennessee. For Auburn, it's Georgia and South Carolina. And then for Texas A&M, it's Missouri and South Carolina. So basically, what is the conference record of those teams? And based on how I did my projections for the other con- for the other division, Auburn would narrowly win because UGA and South Carolina would have the best combined conference record. Um even though I'm saying South Carolina is going to have not that great of a season, Auburn would be helped by the fact that, you know, UGA, I'm predicting to have a great season. So Now, when it gets down to the point... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. So it comes down to how good are the teams that they played that were outside of the conference. Right. Based on my predictions. <laughs> I really hope this happens. So we have to watch ESPN so. try to explain this for 30 or like 30 to like 45 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> it would be confusing. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's confusing enough for me, and I've read I've read through it. So now, so based on what I was looking at, I'm thinking Auburn would um would go through to the title game. Now, when it gets down to this kind of a tiebreaker, it could be any of them. So kind of take what I said with a grain of salt, because when it comes down to oh, what was the conference record of your the opponents in the other division like it, it could you know it, it could you, be any you predicted team. these three uh, these three teams to finish tied first trying to predict which one will get through on the on the letter g tiebreaker i think that's a little say, bit of a step uh yeah a bridge too far right I, right you're saying auburn is gonna go but alabama and texas a&m basically have to hope their uh, non-division opponents play well. Right, right. Um, now, 
who knows? I mean, I think this division is so tight, and those three teams are so good that one of them could step up to the challenge and basically run the table, right? And then just win the division outright. These these games are going to be must-watch. I mean, there are already right. a lot of them are must-watch, but these are must-watch. Yeah. All right, here. Yeah. This sort of the reminds re- me yeah. of um, the basketball season, 18-19, where you had Duke, Virginia, and mm-hmm. UNC. Just those were three the three best teams in the country, yeah. Literally, yeah. and then you have like Gonzaga, yeah. but I, nobody cares about them right now. <laughs> we're talking about the three best teams in the country, the three three of the four one seeds in the tournament mm-hmm. in the ACC. That we're seeing something <laughs> similar right here. I don't know if it's going to be quite that level, uh, mm-hmm. where you could see like three of these three of these teams being in the playoffs. Um, let's say they expand it to eight. I don't know if they're actually going to have it as eight. Um, I think it's going to stay at uh, four until until they change it to twelve. Yeah, but are they going to change it to twelve this season? No, I think they're locked in for a few more years based okay. off of the TV contracts. Yeah. Um. Though ESPN so. doesn't really care about TV contracts as they uh. <laughs> because they're trying to force the the Big Twelve to dissolve, so Texas and Oklahoma can leave early without having to pay the fine. Allegedly, allegedly, but but yeah, yeah. That, that's it. what's that's what's been happening. So okay, I can see this. So who's gonna win the SEC then? Who's gonna win the SEC championship game? I think the winner of the SEC West, which I'm saying is gonna be Auburn. But if if it is Alabama or Texas A and M winning that division, then it will be that team too. Um, I feel like Georgia just has like they dominate their division, but it just feels like they don't win the SEC. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, I don't think they're just... probably good enough to win the whole thing. Of course, this will also come down to uh, to injuries. The team right, that right. starts the best but also gets the least injuries is going to win. Definitely. No, so. injuries are a huge part of football. And everything could be derailed if, like, Bo Nix gets a season-ending injury tomorrow or if something other, you know, something else If a game happens. is canceled for COVID. Right, also, yeah, that, know, could, that could change it. That, that will change yeah. a lot. Yeah. Because you can still get COVID if you have the vaccine, but it just means you're not going to go to the hospital. You're not going to – most likely not going to need to go to the hospital. It just means you're just going to have a really bad couple days. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it, it can still happen, the especially game, with you know. the Delta variant and uh, now apparently the Lambda variant, which is we're just going to go down the Greek problem. alphabet. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> no, I don't want to talk Should've about doom and gloom class. right now. Let's yeah. let's let's go on to the More NFL. Football. Let's talk about the More AFC. Football. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Football. Football is awesome. So last time talk about the NFC. This time the AFC. There are four divisions the north south east and west i i'll start with the north and to kind of give a little bit of a forewarning i am biased here (laughs) i am a diehard cleveland browns fan so what what i'm gonna say is gonna be a little bit biased when i talk about the afc north i think the browns are gonna win the division can go ahead put it out there you can call that a hot take but I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out there, and 
but I will I will admit that this is a very this is going to be a very tight division. All the teams are very good. Um, I kind of feel bad for Cincinnati because they they're building something. They really are. They with you know Joe Burrow at quarterback, Tyler Boyd, T. Hickens, and then they just drafted Jamar Chase. They they're really they're building something, but just so young. In the other three divisions, and the other t- three teams in the division are very good. The Ravens have a lot of upside. I mean, Lamar Jackson is a matchup nightmare the way he can run. And then he can also throw some, although his throwing needs to improve. But he can, it's annoying to have to try to, you know, line up against and try to find a way to stop Lamar Jackson just because he's that good. And they've got some other offensive pieces. Defensively, they've they've got some pieces as well. And then even the Steelers, like the Steelers are good. And I think both the Ravens and Steelers are going to be competing for the playoffs, possibly even making the play- playoffs. The Steelers offense should be so explosive. Even though Ben Roethlisberger is getting old, it should be an explosive offense. Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster, like that's a, that's a matchup nightmare when you're trying to, you know, pick your defensive backs to guard them. Because usually, like, a, a defense, they try to get one lockdown cornerback to lock down the star receiver on the opposing team. But Steelers have two star receivers, and that's hard. Plus, Ray-Ray McLeod's a good, like, really good third guy. Like, he should be a, a number two receiver for most teams. And then the Steelers drafted Najee Harris, the running back who who has great potential. And then the Steelers' defense is good. Stephon Tuitt, J.J. Watt make a very scary kind of like defensive line. Um, although I'm not sure. Sometimes T.J. Watt plays as outside linebacker, but he can he can play both. It shows you the flexibility of T.J. Watt. And then their defensive backs, Joe Hayden, Minka Fitzpatrick, very good, very well-built team with an experienced coach. Now, despite that, I'm going with the Browns here. They finally kind of broke their their curse of post um, uh, post the team moving because for those of you who don't know, the Cleveland Browns they their old owner moved the team after 1995, and the Browns came back in '99. Um, the the team, when it moved, technic- well, technically it didn't move. Technically, the team went dormant from 96 through 98 and then restarted in 99. But the the all the players and coaches and stuff that were in Cleveland in 95, they moved over to Baltimore to create what's now the Baltimore Ravens. Does Baltimore, um, does Baltimore still own the history? No, they don't. They okay, don't. so the Browns the, have the history back. Yes, the Browns fans put up such a fight that the NFL – said okay we're gonna let you guys keep your history that doesn't happen like i mean it ha- the hornets got to keep their history uh after becoming after yeah. the hornets but, moved to mm-hmm. new orleans the new orleans hornets became the pelicans and the bobcats became the hornets the hornets got their history back yeah but in the nfl though it doesn't happen like you know the baltimore colts they moved to um indianapolis obviously and indianapolis kept the history of the baltimore colts and the baltimore ravens don't have the you know history of the colts so a player like johnny unitas who was a legend 
in for the Baltimore Colts. Like he never played a game in Indianapolis, but like, you know, technically he was an Indianapolis Colt when you like get technical about it. Um, so ever since the Browns came back in 99, they've been terrible. They finally got the right pieces together. Great coach, great team. And they made the playoffs last year after going 11 and five. What I really love about this team is that their foundation is good. They start their offense with a dominant offensive line. Jedrick Wills, Joel Batonio, JC Treader, Wyatt Teller, Jack Conklin, like they're all dominant at their positions. Plus two amazing running backs in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Both of them have been pro bowlers before. And the team, they have that as their foundation. So many teams now, they watch Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and they hear, oh, good quarterback, good quarterback. And what they do is they try to make the team a passing team, passing first. But that usually doesn't work unless you have like Patrick Mahomes or a few other people. Even Tom Brady, even though he throws a lot, a lot of those passes are are short passes in a lot of, you know, quick timing, not launching the ball down. It's the rhythm. Field. It's all about rhythm. Right. It's rhythm. And it's short plays. That's yeah. what you need to have that as the foundation of your offense. Well, most even, watching, that. even when watching UNC, we mm-hmm. usually do really well, especially last season when we were do rhythm plays where we just yeah. – Quick pass, yeah. quick pass, quick pass. And then when things aren't going well, Sam Howell decides to become God and just throw a bomb <laughs> downfield because yeah. our receivers yeah. can handle it. But that's yeah. really what a good quarterback can do is get into rhythm. It's all about the rhythm. Definitely. So, Definitely. Yeah. So looking at the AFC North, I can see the Bengals and Steelers switching spots. And I can also see the Ravens and Browns switching spots. Being yeah. one or two, either yeah. of them, Steelers being, uh, and Bengals being three or four each. But I can't see Bengals going or Steelers going up into the one, two, and neither can I see the Browns or Ravens go into the three, four. Though the, the Ravens lose uh, Lamar Jackson, maybe, because he is the right. engine of that team. Happened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how good the, the backup uh, quarterback is for the Browns. So mm-hmm. even losing their quarterback is going to be an issue, but yeah, I I sort of I, I agree with what you have. I could see Steelers yeah. being last a little bit more than the Bengals, Ooh. but also the Bengals, the Bengals. Joe Burrow had does not have as much experience. He did not play a yeah. full season. Right. Yeah, that in bad injury. He, he, yeah, he, he's going to be rusty. He's coming off the injury. I. I can see them being last, but also I can see the Steelers. The Steelers have been disappointing a little bit, really. They've had some good players, but overall as a team, they've been disappointing. They just don't want to let go of Big Ben, really. And yeah, it's, I, I feel it's, it's a mistake. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. hit the reset button. Commit When you commit to something, you commit to it. You commit to the rebuild or you commit to going all in. And uh, yeah. we'll get to the all-ins of the NBA later. Uh, but the Steelers, I feel, are trying to have the rebuild cake and the uh, we'll stay relevant cake at the same time. I guess so. But, like, the thing is, though, despite Big Ben being so old, and, like, I agree, they need a new they need a new quarterback at some point. Um, my, Mason Rudolph has been, like, their number 
two quarterback for a few years now. I don't know if he's the, I don't personally think he's going to be the guy to replace big Ben. So like they got to find someone, but the Steelers started 11 and 0 last year. Now they had a complete collapse and I, I don't know what went wrong. They completely fell apart, but they started 11 and 0. So like they have that talent there. Um, which makes me concerned as a Browns fan. Now, like I said, I, I, I do love the, the Browns offense, how it's based in the run game and Baker Mayfield, you know, people criticize him as a quarterback, but he is arguably the best, if not one, you know, one of the best, if not the best in play action, which is huge when you, your offense is based on the run because then you really fool people on play action, and then Baker Mayfield's able to do that very well, plus the good tight ends we have. Now, you you are right. You know, Ravens are good. Lamar Jackson is a matchup nightmare, and I do worry about the Browns' linebackers, how they're going to keep up with him throughout the, the two Browns-Ravens games. So, like, I could see those two games being problematic for the Browns in such a way that the Ravens can, you know, win and uh, take the division lead. Yeah, but... there, there are no easy games in the AFC North, period. Right, really. right. So, right. yeah. Because everyone can line it up. Now, there are easy games in the AFC South, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very easy games. Um, I don't know where to start. Like, I was debating whether to put the Texans or the Jaguars on the bottom. And I'm going to put the... I'm going to put the Texans on the bottom. I just think like it's a what's going on is a nightmare over there. They they're Deshaun Watson isn't making things better for himself. Yeah, yeah, no. He's um got quite a few off, off the field issues and yeah. um which could uh pop, let's just say pop up at any time and uh take him off the field at any time, but you know, not to get into that. They're Bill O'Brien, I feel like, ran this team into the ground because he started just, like, trading players left and right. Like, <laughs> frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if it came out that Bill O'Brien was um, actually, like, a Tennessee Titans fan or something because <laughs> he started getting rid of people like DeAndre Hopkins. Um, he kind of helped drive J.J. Watt out and other players, and they weren't even getting good players in return. Like, they were just some, you know, the DeAndre Hopkins trade was um just awful i mean i don't know a way to put it other than awful so they lost they've lost so much talent that you know even though deshaun watson's great he can't pull himself out of that yeah just, just can't. you can you, you just can pull can't. yourself out of the game but you can't pull yourself out of being a bad <laughs> person doing bad things so right right yeah uh, i guess moving up the jaguars and the colts are yeah. the Colts really going to be second in the South? Well, I more say that because the Jaguars just aren't good. Like, you know... <laughs> the Colts are bad, but the Jaguars are worse. Right. Is the that Jaguars that were 1-15 last year. 1-15. Um, not too hot. Now, I am saying that they're going to do better than the Texans. Bringing in... One thing to say for the Jaguars is they will be fun to follow, is maybe the word to say. I don't know if they're going to be fun to watch. It'll be fun to follow because they got 
they brought in Urban Meyer as their head coach. He has never been a head coach in the NFL, but he was a dominant head coach in college with University of Florida. He won two national championships with Ohio State. He won a national championship and went a combined seven and zero against rivals Michigan to um, kind of uh, hurt hurt the rivalry. Seven and zero against Michigan's pretty crazy. Yeah. So, like, He's gonna be um, bringing him in. It was being just interesting. How is he gonna do in the NFL after all these years in college? Then you bring in the most her- heralded quarterback in many years, and Trevor Lawrence, plus his running back Travis Etienne. Like they got both of them. Yeah, that's like that's pretty good. That is very very good. And also to make it even more interesting is tim tebow is on the team now he's apparently a tight end now and he always brings some attention to teams so yeah i guess he realized baseball wasn't for him and decided to leave baseball come back to football yeah i guess that that, that (laughs) makes sense so i'm I'm guessing that the afc south is basically how many wins can the titans rack up yeah basically what kind of seed can they get themselves into they're gonna be so good yes so good derrick henry is just he's one of the best they're in this hot take they're in the super bowl conversation though i don't know if that's a oh definitely i don't know if that's quite the hot take but not a hot take not a hot take because when you have such a great running back and they had aj brown last year as wide receiver and then they went out and got julio jones who is another like he is going to be in the hall it's of fame. unfair is going it's, to be in the hall of fame <laughs> it is unfair yeah it really is and their defense is not bad either like you know their defensive backs are actually pretty good janoris jenkins kevin bard they drafted caleb farley who i think is going to be a good defensive back and then the rest of the defense linebackers were sean evans and bud dupree like that's a that's a pretty scary linebacking core that's just not going to be fair and the colts kind of hurt them well not hurt they didn't intentionally hurt themselves but carson wentz was going to be their quarterback and people were hopeful because he was going to be reunited with his old offensive coordinator frank reich who helped carson wentz reach his high point in philly frank reich is now the head coach of indianapolis but carson wentz is injured we don't know how long but just the fact that he's injured, going to be injured for at least a while, is going to kill their chance of winning the division. Yeah. So, AFC North is who knows who's going to win out of the Browns and Ravens. AFC South, definitely the Titans. Mm-hmm. It's basically a race for last in that. Uh, the AFC East. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Patriots aren't going to win again. It's <laughs> no, going to be two not. straight years of not winning. And I see a team there. Mm -hmm. I see that team, the Bills. Bills. I I swear I saw some things past week that uh, rumored the Bills are going to move to Austin, Texas. I saw that too. I saw that too. I don't don't know what to think. Like, how can you say, I'll never be able to say Austin Bills. It's always Buffalo Bills. No. No. It's the alliteration, the consonants. It makes it work. But Yeah. Yeah. And what that would do to Bill's Mafia. Like, they've got such a oh. passionate and great fan base. Yeah. 
that it doesn't make sense to move them. But I think I did see that they were there was talk about how they, um, what's it called, are, are looking into renewing the lease at the the stadium in Buffalo. So it might be the end of those talks. Hopefully, yeah. Just try, they're probably trying to scare the scare the whoever's they're talking to to get them a better deal. You know. Yeah. Yeah, but and Bills are just so good. They're going to be good as well. Mitch Trubisky is a backup QB on that team. Backup QB. They, yeah, renew, they renewed coming. the contract on their quarterback. Yeah, Josh Allen. Josh Allen yeah. is really good. He took a huge step forward at the beginning of his time in the NFL. He looked like he was, you know, not that good, and it was kind of like Buffalo. Why did you draft this guy? Like he can he can run a little bit, but he can't do much else. And then last year he had an amazing season: thirty-seven touchdowns to ten interceptions. His completion percentage went from fifty-nine percent in two thousand nineteen to sixty-nine percent in twenty twenty. So he he took a huge step forward, and a big part of that was the fact that they the Bills went out and got Stephon Diggs from the wide receiver from the Vikings. And they really hit it off those two, and they're they're a great combo. So the offense can continue to be good. They've got a good offensive line too. Defensively, they got some. It's it's a scary defense. They just overall, it should be another. It should be another good defensive year. So it's their division to lose. Now I think that Patriots are going to do a little better than people expect, and then the Dolphins will do worse than people expect. And then, of course, the Jets will be at the bottom of the division. Um, <laughs> but the Dolphins, people are really talking up the Dolphins. And I don't understand why. Like, I just really feel like they overperformed last year. They, they got some good players. They got some good players. But Tua Tagovailoa, who is their starting quarterback, I I don't think he's as good as people say he is. He, he's not, he hasn't been the same since the injury. Right, right. And he could turn out to be great, but I just, when I was watching him last year, because last year the Dolphins were, you know, flipping back and forth between him and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And when you watch the games, like, it just, it felt like Fitzpatrick was a better quarterback. Also, Tagovailoa, I mean, he averaged only 180 yards per game throwing, and that's just, that's not going to get it done. And now he's going to have an extra year in the system from you know working out this summer but i don't know they just they don't seem to jump out to me as this team that's going to make the playoffs like everyone else is saying i I, you know they got good defensive pieces but they don't jump out as that team now the patriots though the patriots don't sleep on them don't sleep on them cam newton realizes that this is like his last shot also they drafted mac jones from alabama in the first round so he could come in and do great is he gonna start right now they're saying that cam newton is projected as the starter and he he cam newton will probably begin the season as the starter but be careful though because i think belichick's gonna have a short leash on newton and if newton you know three or four games into the year is not looking that great i i really think we're gonna see matt jones come in yeah Um, and cam newton's another quarterback who just hasn't been the same since he got smashed mm-hmm. by the broncos defense in the super bowl <laughs> yeah that's smashed Ugh. by the defense is one way to put it they destroyed him quite literally now, the patriots mm-hmm. yeah yeah 
The uh, Patriots' defense is going to be very good, though, so watch out for them. Yeah, they the, bring back a lot of players. Last year, they were one of the teams that had some of the most opt-outs because players were opting out last year because of COVID. Yeah. Um, they A lot of their starters, I mean, maybe not a lot, but a, a decent number of them opted out last year, So, who are going to be coming back this year. So watch out for that. Yep. So, Last uh, division. Uh, Jets are just the Jets. Oh, yeah. We, let's just not even talk about them. They're not even worth talking about at this point. I, I wonder um, if they're going to figure out how to play football this year. <laughs> I sure... I don't know. I feel bad for Jets fans because they... Um, <laughs> going into last year, everyone was saying, okay, well, the Jets are going to tank, and then they're going to get trevor lawrence and that's going to fix all of our problems right one point away but the jets couldn't even tank correctly they started off 0 and 13 0 and 13 and then won two of their last three games to lose the number one pick so they weren't able to get trevor lawrence um so it's like gosh i feel bad for jets fans now their 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 coach is going to be good robert sala I think he's going to be a good coach. He was with the 49ers for a while as a defense coordinator. But, yeah, the Jets as a franchise are not the greatest. Oh, I guess that just leads to AFC West then. Tell me, me, Andrew, is there anybody who can challenge the Chiefs in the AFC West? Okay. No, I'm not even going to try to do a hot take on that. Chiefs are just too good. Just too much talent. Bring back too much. It's Patrick Mahomes. Now, I do think the Raiders are going to compete for the playoffs. and For the wild card. Yeah. I I, I might say that the Raiders are going to make the wild card. Um, they've, they've got a good team. Derek Carr is... People forget about Derek Carr because the when John Gruden came to the Raiders a couple years ago, he basically just like Gruden just like got rid of everything on that team. Um, he got he rid completely of gutted it. I remember that. Yeah, completely gutted it. Now they are starting to become a better team now, and Derek Carr had a. I mean, people forget he had four thousand yards last year, twenty-seven touchdowns to nine interceptions. 67% completion percentage. Like those are very good numbers. Very good numbers. And the rest of the team around him, like they've they've got some talent. You know, um Hunter Renfro is one of their receivers who he he was a really good college player, and I think he's got, you know, gonna do well in the NFL. Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake are gonna be, I think, are a good combo for running back. And even defensively, I mean, um, Damon Arnett, Clellan Farrell, um, and some others on that team. Like it just it it feels like they're they got some pieces that are really gonna help them and they're gonna surprise some people. So as you have it, the Browns, the Titans, the Bills, and the Chiefs are locked into the playoffs. Who are the wild cards here? Wild cards, yeah. So there are gonna be three. It's 17 playoffs, so that's four of the teams. The other three wild cards, oof, I'm going to say the Ravens, definitely. Okay. Who And the Ravens could win the division. Also, Yeah, that's also potentially. So yeah. it, 
if the Ravens win the division, then it's the Browns and the wild card. Right, then it's the Browns and the wild card. A very, very um, dangerous wild card. Yeah, yeah, very dangerous. Then I'm going to say, I'm going to go out there and say the Patriots. Yeah, I know I, that's crazy. I see that. I see that. After last year, but it's Bill Belichick and they got some pieces. And in that last playoff spot, Colts or Raiders. Good. Well, <laughs> no, not the Colts. Uh, actually, I, I'm stuck between the Raiders and Steelers. I'm actually going to go ahead and say the Steelers. The I know Steelers. just a second ago. I know a second ago it sounded like I was going to say Raiders based off of what I was saying about how the Raiders are going to surprise some people. And the Raiders could do it. But I just can't look past the combo of Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster on offense. And then that defense, TJ Watt, he's young and he is just so good. He is so good. And they've got other, you know, some other good defense alignment, you know, Cameron Hayward, Stephon Tuitt. Yeah, TJ Watt, he's the, he's filling in for his brother. So three teams for the AFC North. Yes, yes. That is, that is a big take right there. It is a big take. I think those three teams are talented enough to make the playoffs. Now, I will say that because they're in the same division, that means they're playing each other. Yeah, often that's yeah, gonna hurt. Games each, games. They're gonna hurt yeah. each other. Yeah. So I could see the Raiders making it because of that. Like if the Steelers, because they have to play the Ravens, Browns, and Bengals a total of six times, yeah, get enough losses. Whereas the Raiders, I think, are gonna have. Easy-ish wins against the Chargers and Broncos. Yeah, they have the Raiders have two guaranteed L's. Yeah, yeah. Versus an unknown, excuse me, an unknown number versus uh, for the Steelers. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I can see that. Um, and who's coming out of the AFC then to go to the Super Bowl? Um. I'm. Well. Ooh, that's tough. That's tough. <laughs> it it's a toss up. I'm gonna go with who, Tennessee. Who, who's in the AFC Championship game? Let's start. Well, with it, see, that really depends on seeding because that's also true. Yeah, it's you know I I feel like if the Browns can get that two seed, then they're going to the AFC Championship game. But if they have to play at Tennessee or at um. Or at Buffalo, or or at Kansas City, you know, in that AFC Divisional game, then I'm saying no, it's going to be one of those two teams. So I'm going to say, I think that the the two teams that have the best combination of talent, chemistry, coaching, and experience, including playoff experience, which is key, plus the least downsides – Bills and Titans. So I'm going to say they're going to play each other. I know the Chiefs won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. And I know the Chiefs made it to the Super Bowl last year. But... who's Okay, who's winning between them? uh, Titans. Titans! Titans That's a hot take now. Yes, Titans. Titans. But who did I say would win the NFC? I'm trying to I don't remember. Um... We gotta go back and check. Oh, I'll go back and check. We didn't write. I didn't write it down. Or maybe I wrote it down, but I put it somewhere. I don't remember. Um, I'm looking back through what I wrote down from last time. Um, 
Anyways, anyways. Yeah. Titans to win the AFC. Oof. That 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 is a hot take. I could see Chiefs and yeah. I I had Chiefs and Titans in the AFC Championship game. Yeah. Of course, it does depend on seeding because you could have them in a semifinal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I just think Derrick Henry. You know, one of them is making is that huge game. in the yeah. yeah. Running is huge in the playoffs, and Derrick Henry can run. He's he's a monster. Yeah. He's yeah. A monster. Yeah, so I guess uh, that. While you're while you're looking up who uh, who won the NFC for you, uh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go ahead and take us to soccer because uh, there's good. a little bit of news. A uh, little bit of news. Uh, first off, going wrapping up back into the Olympics, uh, the U.S. women's national team lost to Canada. That's a rare loss uh, in a game that mattered uh, to Canada zero to one. So they did not get gold, but were able to secure a bronze medal. Um, in their next game versus Australia. Also important in this game was that Carly Lloyd became the leading goal Olympic goal scorer for the U.S. women's national team at 10 goals. So 10 goals only at the Olympics. No woman else is has a better uh, in U.S. Uh, women's in the U.S. women's national team history has more goals. Uh, so if U.S. didn't get gold. Who actually took gold? Well, in fact, it was Canada. Canada went on to take gold, beating Sweden uh, in pens after a one after the game was tied one one. So Canada uh, got gold, Sweden silver, USA bronze. Um, in men's Olympic soccer, just briefly mentioning that Brazil took gold and Spain took silver. Um, in other news, the European seasons for all the leagues, like in England and Germany, Italy, France, Spain, etc., they're starting soon. The Premier League, in fact, starts this coming Friday, August 13th, with uh, Brentford versus Arsenal with the remainder, the other nine games uh, that weekend. So we're getting back into the big swing of things. Um, but the headline in soccer this past week has got to be that Lionel Messi will not be playing at Barcelona next season. Now, I know we reported a few episodes ago that Messi had agreed to take that 50% pay cut to stay at Barcelona. And it's not really on Messi's side that he's not staying at Barcelona. It's actually because Barcelona just literally cannot afford him. Uh, Messi... Offered to take that 50% pay cut. Barcelona agreed. And the paperwork was ready to be signed. Uh, pending that Barcelona was able to clear enough wages to get under the salary cap enough to be able to sign Messi. But Barcelona is quite literally in financial ruins right now. Um, despite selling Neymar, selling in quotes because didn't actually sell him. The owner of PSG went in with 200 million bucks, thereabouts, I think 200 million euros maybe, Um, 200 million million euros to annul Neymar's contract at Barcelona. So that's 200 million in the pocket of Barcelona, who then took that money while they were already in debt from building a really nice and big stadium and bought Philippe Coutinho for 150 million. Usman Dembele, 150 million. 
Antoine Griezmann for a hundred million, of whom none of those players panned out. None of them were successful by in any means. So Barcelona spent more than they made, and as a result, got nowhere better in how good they were. Their players got older. Their wages went up higher and higher and higher. Sort of the price of success. And as a result, they could not keep the wage structure at their club under the salary cap for La Liga. And as a result, Messi cannot sign. uh, Cannot play for Barcelona. And um, today, in fact, uh, at a press conference in Barcelona, Messi spoke about how much he loved the club and it was a very emotional. It's been his club. In Barcelona was him and he was Barcelona for the past... I don't even remember. It's been that long. that I don't remember when he started. Playing. I think he was 13 years old when he first moved to Barcelona. Yeah, I think he started playing when he was 16 for the first time. I don't remember. Wow. Yeah. Wow. He's been playing for a very, very long time in Barcelona. And man, he cried. I mean, he's been there forever. Imagine if Kobe Bryant played for the Lakers since he was 16. And then the Lakers could not afford to keep him. And he he had to leave because they literally could not afford him. That's what happened, basically. <laughs> um, so where does he go? Well, apparently PSG has been sniffing around him for a, quite a while. And given that PSG is basically owned by a Middle Eastern government, or Middle Eastern government, uh, basically the son of a Middle Eastern government official, um, high-ranking Middle Eastern government official, um, they have endless money from oil and stuff, so they're able to afford they afford his wages whatever he wants in Paris. Um, Paris Saint-Germain. So, Messi's going to PSG. He's going to team up with his friend Neymar, where they played together at, at Barcelona before Neymar was bought out to go to PSG. Now, Messi's going to Barcelona. And in fact, PSG has spent very little money to acquire a lot of very big talent this summer. And they've also, of course, spent money to get talent that was not free, but... It's been quite the arms race in Europe in general. I'm not going to go into full detail because I understand not everybody's as interested in this as I am. But PSG is a very, very, very scary team this year. Very scary. So uh, keep an eye on them. So, uh, but that. What's interesting? Go on. Oh, sorry. It's just, and you've said this to me before. It's like all these players are going to PSG. But their their league is not that great. Oh yeah, you know it's, it's not like it's the bad. League. It's bad. Yeah, it's basically like all the five star recruits going to Gonzaga. <laughs> it that's it's literally Gonzaga mm-hmm. in the in the uh, in their league in their conference. That's literally that's what it is. It. Yeah, they that's have really no competition it, yeah. really. And, Even though they didn't win the yeah, league last year, and their year, only but, and their oh. only and their only goal is to win the Champions League. Yeah, but the Champions like they, the Champions yeah. League isn't 
the, the best team in Europe doesn't win the Champions League. The team that's able to put the best run of form together wins the Champions League. Mm-hmm. In opposition, the, like the major leagues of, all, of the countries, like the Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, the best team in that country wins the league. Because there are 38 games or 36 games, depending on how many teams are in your league, um, which will even things out over the course of a season. The right, Champions League, right. you need to put a, a run of games together, a good run of games together, uh, to win that. Which means not always the best team wins. Yeah. But um, that's, that's what's happened in soccer. Big name, leaving the club, which he is, he is, and the club is him as well. La Liga's screwed. Sad. La Liga, yeah. La Liga is screwed. They've just mm-hmm. lost. They lost Cristiano Ronaldo a couple seasons ago. Their revenue's gone down. Now they just lost Messi. So not just Real Madrid and Barcelona are screwed. The entire La Liga is screwed. Yeah. <laughs> Barcelona tried to play hardball with La Liga, and La Liga didn't blink when La Liga probably should have blinked. Yeah. If they wanted to survive. Because they needed to buy time for Barcelona and Real Madrid to get good again. Because right now right. they're not going to win anything. Not mm-hmm. nothing important. So they could be royally screwed here. Um, in in comparison, the Premier League makes so much TV money from the U.S., from England itself, from all the sponsors because England is because English is a such a gigantic language it just transcends border a lot more borders than uh, mm-hmm. french italian german spanish spanish gives it a close run runs for run for its money but circumstances are different there nobody can compete with the Premier league's money right right so though i think it's a little bit of bubble but i want i want to move i don't want to get stuck in this too much so <laughs> something that not everybody is going to be interested in uh, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA. And um, boy, there have been a lot of moves. I've done my best to try to keep up with everything that's been going on. But um, since last time, since the last episode, which involved a lot of tra- trades relative to the picks and stuff, I'm going to start at the top from when uh, things happened. Things... Uh, since I wrote these down, some of the details might have changed, but I'll go ahead and start here. So, starting off with the Chicago Bulls, who are looking to go all in right now to try to win now. Prove to Zach Levine they are dedicated to him and to winning, so they, they'll be able to re-sign him. The, the Chicago Bulls have moved Tomas Sadoransky and Garrett Temple and a second-round pick to New Orleans for Alonzo Ball, who's signing an $85 million four-year contract. Um, this was a sign-and-trade. But um, in the last uh, day or two, uh, it's come out that there might have been some tampering in this deal, along with uh, the next deal, which is Kyle Lowry um, signing a three-year deal with the Heat, a sign-and-trade with the Raptors as well. That sent... Uh, Precious Achua and um, was Drag I think Dragic and Precious Achua to uh, to Toronto, but 
Those two deals, the Lonzo Ball and Kyle Lowry deals, have been stuck up recently in a tampering scheme, or in a tampering, uh, allegedly, yeah, yeah, uh, investigation. So who knows what's going to happen there, (laughs) whether those are going to get annulled or what the punishment is for the Bulls and the Heat. So we will see. We'll be sure to report on it. Uh, in other news, free agent Tim Hardaway Jr. has agreed a four-year, $72 million deal to return to the Mavericks. That's a very good returning deal, though I don't know if he's a little bit overpaid there. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Conley, this surprised me a little bit. Three-year, $72.5 uh, million deal to stay with the Jazz. I feel, I feel that's, yeah. a, that's an overpay for his age. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good player, I mean, he adds a lot as that. He's experienced. Point guard. He's experienced. Mm-hmm. Experienced, yeah. complacent, like good defense. And I mean, he was an all star actually, twenty twenty one. But he's getting older, though. Yeah, I don't. Just... I hope. I hope that deal is more more front loaded, so it'd be easier yeah, to yeah. trade later. But I don't yeah. know. We'll we'll have to see. Um, Jared Allen. Uh, who's traded to the Cavs from the Nets, has agreed a five-year, $100 million contract with the Cavs. Let's go. That is... he get He's getting paid. He's that, getting paid a lot. Yeah, he, he's good. He's real good. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Paul, uh, he, he basically did not take up the extra year in his contract and instead... Signed a new contract, four years, up to a hundred and twenty million dollars. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot of money. I don't. I think not all of it is guaranteed. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Uh, but that deal will expire when he's forty. Good grief! And all. In other news, uh, Chris Paul is had, was did not win his reelection for the NBA Players Association. CJ McCollum. Oh, CJ McCollum. Actually, won. Oh. Yes. I forgot who Man. won VP. Um, I believe it's a player from the Celtics. I don't remember. Uh, did CP3 run? Or did he, he did just run. decide He not... did run. Man. Man. I believe he Alsted ran. from power. Who? Um, Grant Williams, I think. I think Grant Williams uh, from the Celtics hmm. is the VP. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. Um, Let's go. Uh, um, Duncan Robinson, though. Five-year, $90 million contract with the Heat. Wow. The largest deal ever for an undrafted player. That's crazy. Undrafted. Yeah. I can't believe he was undrafted. Yeah. Uh, he, he's come a long a way. He, he started di- Division three, bench, mm-hmm. bench with Michigan, undrafted. Ninety million dollar five year contract with the Heat. Is that smart though? Like I know he's he's a phenomenal. He's good. Shooter. I think that's phenomenal an over. Shooter. I think the Heat over are really overpaying. But Duncan Robinson, because yeah. he feels a little one dimensional offensively. Like he can I mean, be. again. He can be. Yeah. Great, great offense, and I mean, great three point shooter. I mean, he's averaged over forty percent the past two years. It's hard to find, but is that alone enough to make you a 90 million dollar player yeah i don't know i think that's a little bit overpay but he he got the heatles got money 
<laughs> they yeah. have money, yes. and because they're a big market, they can get away with it. But we'll That's see what true. happens with the tampering. We'll see. I hope the tampering, if it's actually tampering, I hope the teams get punished. Mitch Kupchak, yeah. I know Mitch Kupchak is a very hardcore, I will not tamper person. So <laughs> like to see teams that get tampered get punished. In any, uh, in, in, in any case, the Bulls made more moves. Uh, they, they grabbed up uh, free agent Alex Caruso on a four-year, $37 million deal. That's a good deal. That, that's good. Yeah. Caruso's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Um, everybody, like, when you think of Caruso, you think of the memes about him. <laughs> but he's actually not a not too bad of a player. So I, I like this. Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, Derek Rose. Uh, it was rumored that he would, might be going back to the Bulls. But instead, he signed a four-year, $37 million, uh, or no, $43 million uh, deal with the Knicks. Going back to the Knicks. Might be a bit overpay, but yeah, it ag- works. again with the overpay. Yeah, it, it, this has been an arms race this year. This year's free agency has been a arms race, so prices have gone up badly. Um, also for the Knicks, Evan Fournier, four-year deal, seventy as much as seventy-eight million dollars. So maybe not all of it's guaranteed with the Knicks. So yeah. Okay. Knicks, okay. Knicks, instead of drafting, mm-hmm. went for some ready-made talent. Yeah, it'll, it'll help the team. Um, because I had a little bit of a concern of them having a, regression. a drop-off this yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, a regression. But, I mean, Fournier is a good player. Fournier is a good yeah. player. Now, again, maybe a little bit overpay for for that guy. But, I mean, he's, he's good, though. He's good. Yeah. Um, Dwight Howard is going back to the Lakers. His third stint at the Lakers. <laughs> I believe it's third a, a one-year deal. I believe so. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, also going to the Lakers, Wayne Ellington. Love that move. Yeah, that move. there's a Tar Heel on that team, so now the Lakers are officially allowed to win the NBA title again. <laughs> you have to have a Tar Heel on your team to win, of course. Um. Free agent and also Trevor Ariza on the Lakers. Interesting. Yeah, the Lakers yeah. have been trying to fill up their spots with whatever talent they can get. They're dangerous. The Lakers are very dangerous. Is also they're dangerous. They're, they're also old very old. old. They're also very very. Ariza's thirty six. Wayne Ellington is thirty three, and that's injecting some life into the team. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but question marks really. Yeah, Ellington, that is a huge pickup for them because I was starting to get a little bit concerned about their shooting. Yeah, you he need good knock, shooting. He, for he is knocked down though. Wayne Ellington really is. Now he doesn't have much playoff experience, but he is a career thirty-eight percent shooter from three. Yeah, and that's—I mean, he's thirty-three, like I said. So he—he is a legit shooter. Yeah. Um, Reggie Bullock is, has agreed to deal with the Mavs, going from the. Uh, I think you believe he's free agent, so going from the Knicks to the Mavs. He's also a 39% career three-point shooter. Wow. So they're all so Mavs are trying to put some shooters around Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. A little closer to home, God Zeller, Cody Zeller from the <laughs> from the Hornets, uh, free agent, agreed a deal to go to the Blazers. Daniel Tice 
as a free agent was on the Bulls after being traded from the Celtics. Four-year deal with the Rockets. Hmm. That okay. That's quite the deal. P.J. Tucker has also agreed to your deal with Miami. And okay. uh, Devontae Graham, uh, Hornet, former Hornet, sign and trade um, with the Pelicans. Four years, $47 million. Hornets got a 2022 first-round pick. Really? I, yeah. yeah, that's. Uh, I believe it is not lottery. It is lottery protected. I believe. Okay. Um. So there's that. Um. Already just yet. I have a lot of repeats. I just saw things and just put them out. Uh, wrote them down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ish Smith. Well, I believe he was on the Wizards last year. He's agreed a one-year deal with the Hornets. So backup guard. On the Hornets, good experience, good shooter. He's yeah, very he's streaky, but he's a good backup. I like this. I like the signing. Andre Drummond, one-year deal with the Sixers. So yeah, okay. It's it's Drummond. You, you sort of <laughs> get a tall guy who can rebound and just what the Sixers need is more big men. Yes, um, but they, like, I mean they lost Dwight Howard. That's true, but I don't know. They they are a big team. When you look at their size, I mean, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris. Even I mean, Tobias Harris is not like super big, but he's kind of big. Um, they're going to be tall. That's all I got. Yeah, say yeah. They're not making that many moves. They're really they're really like tying their horse to the trade Ben Simmons wagon. and see what we can get. And that's not looking good. No, it's not. It, it's not. <laughs> Um, yeah. In other news, Malik Monk, also former Hornet. Uh, I also remember him as the guy who put up 40 on us. Sort of PTSD. Uh, <laughs> in that Kentucky-UNC game. Um, yeah. Uh, the first one that year. Um, he signed at the Lakers, as did the next person, Carmelo Anthony. Oh my god. What? <laughs> what the heck? The Lakers... <laughs> Is Malik Monk the youngest person on that team? I mean, it could be. He might be. He might be the youngest person on that team. But the also, Lakers yeah. are making. The Lakers are making what would have been the best team of 2013-2014. Um, don't know how it's going to work now, but uh, can you imagine how good this team would have been like 2013? Oh my gosh! <laughs> but it's not 2013. Yeah, it's not. It's- Father, father time does not uh he does not uh, discriminate everybody feels true. time but um yes. Steph Curry two-time MVP has agreed a new four-year 215 million dollar contract extension with the Warriors he's the first player in history to sign two 200 million dollar plus deals wow Wow, um, that's uh, two of them. Yeah, <laughs> he he getting paid, mm-hmm. really paid. But um, the Spurs, the Bulls also made another move, and this time it's with the Spurs sending Demar Derozan to the Bulls uh, in exchange for Thad Young, a future first round pick after twenty twenty five, and two second round picks, one in twenty twenty two from the Lakers, and the other. 2025. Mm-hmm. 
So, Bulls, like I said earlier, really making moves. I don't know. I feel like they're... I feel like they're going um, like 2013 Brooklyn Nets when the Nets just started like going after a bunch of players. Remember when they traded for Garnett, Paul Pierce, Jason But, but the difference with that is that the Nets picked up a lot of older players. Yeah, but Don't, I think... I feel this team can work, though I feel that their spacing is going to be interesting. And I'll talk about the Bulls a little bit later because I do have some concerns about how they're going to play. Um, mostly because, mostly because they don't have a roster. star though. They do have like a star. Levine's good. Levine's good, but like, maybe maybe he's a star. But when I look at this roster, they're gonna be a playoff team for sure. They could be fourth in the East, win a playoff series. But when I look over the next three years, I don't see them making the finals. Maybe they could make the conference finals, but that's a maybe. So they're just they're putting up i don't know i mean we can talk about more of this as yeah. the regular season gets closer but yeah yeah, yeah. Well, i mean we can talk about this as, once we get through everything here right, uh, right john right, collins right. there was a lot of talk about the hawks maybe shopping him around he's decided to, to stay in atlanta and sign a five-year 125 million dollar deal wow yeah wow. definitely wow big big money big money hawks probably didn't want to have to pay that but they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was a blockbuster when it dropped. Kemba Walker agreed a contract buyout with the Thunder and signed with the Knicks. I believe $8 million a year with the Knicks. Interesting. So I think this is a very good move for the Knicks. They're not really risking too yeah. much money here. And mm-hmm. also, it's really going to, how good this ends up is really going to depend on how, how much Kemba is healthy. But this is yeah, a fantastic yeah. move. Mm-hmm. Fantastic move. I agree. Um, Patty Mills. This went a little bit under the radar, but should really be noted. This is a big. This is really big. Patty Mills signed with Brooklyn. That's that helps. That's their a, depth. That is very very good for their depth. Because mm-hmm. Patty Mills has really shown up in the in the Olympics this year. Yeah, he has. Um, Mo Wagner has said uh, i believe he was on the wizards uh has signed with the magic joining his brother franz wagner who was just drafted by the magic tar heel tony bradley has signed with the bulls on a two-year deal after being on being drafted by the jazz getting to the sixers being traded to the uh, thunder deal expiring and has signed uh, with the bulls so now two tar heels in that team kobe white and tony bradley it's nice. Mm-hmm. Ennis Cantor signed with the Celtics. Spencer Dinwiddie, in a deal with the Wizards, has been uh, traded from Brooklyn to the Wizards. Three-year deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, the full trade for this is that the Wizards acquire Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Montrez Harrell, Dinwiddie, um, Aaron Holiday, and Isaiah Todd. Lakers acquire Russell Westbrook. The Nets acquire two seconds, the 24 and 25, uh, and an $11.5 million exception. The Pacers acquire Isaiah Jackson, uh, drafted number two, number 22, sorry. And the Spurs acquire uh, Chandler Hutchinson and a second round pick from 2022. That was a very, very big trade. A five-team trade right there. Um, Danny Green 
who was on Philly last year, has agreed a two-year deal, two-year deal with uh, Philly again, so staying staying put. Lou Williams signed a one-year deal with Atlanta, so staying put there after being traded there this year. And this one was interesting to me. Kelly Oubre Jr., two-year deal, $26 million with the Hornets. With the Hornets? That came out of nowhere. <laughs> that really did come out of nowhere. I was sleeping <laughs> and woke I woke up to see a notification the dead of night. <laughs> Kelly Oubre Jr. <laughs> signed with the Hornets. So I don't hate this move. It's really good for our depth. When he's mm-hmm. on it, he can really shoot. When he's not yeah. on it, he's a liability. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. we'll see. Um, mm-hmm. Andre Iguodala is going back to the Golden State Warriors. And a uh, quote from him, the opportunity to end it here was just something special, end quote. So um, I think Andre Iguodala is going to play a season there and then just call it a, call it a career. Quite a career, too. Yeah, very, yeah. very good. Yeah. Um, Javante Green returning to the Bulls. Lots of civilians. They have a lot of guards right now, uh, which I'll discuss mm-hmm. in a second. Reggie Jackson returning to the Clippers for two years. Kawhi Leonard is officially going to be returning to the Clippers. Actually, I don't know if that's official, but it's basically been reported. He's staying with the Clippers because everybody else has already filled up their cap space, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. KD... It came out today officially that he's signing a four-year extension with the Nets, one hundred ninety-eight million dollars. That's some cash. And when we were at the beginning of today's podcast, we were discussing: Is he going to be around for the next Olympics in three years? Is he going to be on Team USA for that? Good question. He's getting because I don't know. I don't know. He'll he'll be a little bit. He'll be he'll be older by then. Um, it is only three years, not not the full four years. But I mean, the way that players are aging now, I feel like in sports, players are taking care of their bodies so much better. I mean, you see Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers playing at such an older age. LeBron's still playing well at his age. Kevin Durant could probably play next Olympics, but he can't be the centerpiece of that team. Right, right. He can't be. Right. So somebody, I, I'm kind of curious to see: Are we going to see Lamelo Ball step up as point guard? Are we going to see? I mean, who's going to take who? Who would take the talisman role for Team USA? Really, it's a tough question. I mean, that's a really... It can't be anybody who's going to go late into the playoffs. Realistically, it's not. I mean, it could because in a normal year, the playoffs are ending a lot earlier than um, this year. Right? But... I just don't think it's... I don't know. I'm, I'm looking it's over too many the... min- It's too many minutes. It's players, minutes. Players want to manage their bodies. Drew Holiday, though. Yeah, he finished late enough. He finished late enough, I guess, that he didn't have to... He didn't get off his mojo and then back into the mojo like the rest of Team USA did. He was playing, 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 playing the entire time and finished, got the championship, and immediately went into the Olympics and started playing. He didn't have that off time. Yeah, that's true. 
That's true. So th- that's one thing I will is... say. Go on. And this is a little, you know, makes me a little nervous for USA basketball. I'm looking at last this this past year's All NBA team, right? Um, there are 15 players because there's All NBA first, second, and third teams. No one, only two Americans on that list are younger than 30. Actually, no, three. Only three Americans are on the all were on the All NBA team this year and under 30. And that was Julius Randall at 26, um, Bradley Beal at 28, and actually, well, does Kyrie Irving count? He was no, he was born in Australia. Who who does he play for for the national team? I actually don't know. No, I think it is the U.S. Even though he was born in Australia, so him, Kyrie Irving, twenty nine, Bradley Beal, twenty eight, Julius Randle, twenty six. All the other All NBA players from this past year were either older, were thirty or older, or were international. That ugh. we, we got to have some young guys step up. I think by the time there's a lot of really good younger players. I think yeah. by the time we get to uh, the next Olympics, it'll, it'll become clear. I'm trying to predict this now is going to be a little tricky. I could see right, Chet right. Holmgren, um, who's going to play at Gonzaga uh, yeah. next year. He's apparently been labeled a like a stud, seven foot tall stud, just mm-hmm. incredible at basketball. Um, mm-hmm. he's gonna be so dangerous next year in college. He's yeah. he's literally gonna tear tear people up. He's gonna <laughs> he's gonna tear through the defense. Um, in any case, we'll get to who's on the Paris Olympics U.S. Uh, men's basketball team when we get closer to that. That's a few years away. Right, so, a few uh, years. Uh, yeah. And that was all the deals I saw. One deal that's been floating around for a while. And it's just been floating in, in limbo because nobody knows really how it's going to finish. Is Lowry Markinen finished seven foot tall forward. Um, who can shoot. He can shoot, but he has a little bit of an injury concern. Um, sometimes on defense, he can just go blank. The Bulls are really trying to shop him around for a sign and trade. But... Larry Markkinen wants too much money, so it's not really working out anywhere. So a lot of the time, it's been shopped around that he's going to go to the Hornets or the Mavericks. Those are the two destinations, probably. The Hornets, he makes sense. It makes makes a lot of sense to have him because it would give teams a similar dilemma to what Porzingis gave uh, as a dilemma for on the Mavericks, putting Porzingis and Boban Marjanovic on the court at the same time. Putting a center like Mason Plumley and Larry Markkinen on the court at the same time is a real, is a real head-scratcher for some teams. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, he can shoot. He's good offense. Um, it's just, it just really depends whether he can fall into uh, stay under the cap for the Hornets or the Mavericks in that case, but that's a right, deal. That right. is a deal that a player name and a deal to keep your eyes on. But uh, yeah, I did want to mention the the uh, you know I'll go ahead and mention one more thing about the Hornets. 
uh, before moving on to the last thing here, uh, is that Hornets head coach James Borrego is in talks to get a new multi-year contract extension, which I like. I, I, I really like what James Borrego has done in player development. Um, Devontae Graham saw big improvements. Uh, I really liked ha- Miles Bridges as well, definitely. Uh, Cody Martin, Caleb Martin improved dramatically since they were drafted, though they're no longer, or Caleb's no longer on the team. I don't know about Cody Martin. Um, but he's also managed the sort of managed bringing in Lamelo Ball fairly well, benching Lamelo until saying he's turning the ball over too much. If he turns down how much he turns over the ball, he will start. Lamelo Ball worked on his turnovers and started. Like, I, I really like how his management. He does come from the Rick Popovich tree of coaching, so yeah, I, I like I like the project that's going on right now in Charlotte in the Hornets. So I, I agree I like with where you. This is going. But three years in Charlotte, no playoffs, though. In fairness yeah. to last year, in fairness to last year, I'm. So, Gordon Hayward, the, LaMelo Ball, Terry mm-hmm. Rozier all got injured at the same time. That's true. That's and true. the Hornets were sitting fourth seed. Yeah. By yeah. the by the time all of them came back, the Hornets were eight with like three games left. Mm-hmm. And the young nerves of the team felt like really took an effect and the Hornets couldn't win any of their games. Yeah. yeah. So, that's really what happened. Mm-hmm. I'm confident in this team improving though the arms race in the east has made it very very difficult now i can see the hornets yeah. being seven or eight seed but that means playing still right right so we'll see um the hornets game with the blazers in the summer league which just started has ended um leangelo ball was on the bench for the hornets brother uh of lamella ball uh, scored 16 points on 5 of 10 shooting, 5 of 8 from 3. So all the shots are from 3 except for oh. uh, except for 2, which he missed uh, inside the arc. Okay. <laughs> Decent shooting. Uh, James Booknight, the uh, first round pick, pick 11 for the Hornets. 19 points, 7 of 14 shooting, 1 of 3 from 3. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty good performance, but this did come in a losing... Uh, about with the trailblazers so this does bring me to the discussion about the, the summer league uh mostly the only real thing real thing to discuss here is the unc players involved in it dayron sharp of course on the nets theo pinson no longer on the knicks is now on the bucks uh, isaiah hicks on the clippers nasir little on the blazers cole anthony on the magic and Kenny Williams and Joel Berry on the Hornets. And finally, Sterling Manley uh, managed to get himself a spot on the Bulls Summer League roster. So uh, if you tune into the Summer League, I believe a lot of it's going to be on ESPN. Be on the lookout for those names on those teams. Nice. Nice. Uh, and the, so the last thing I wanted to say it was about the Bulls because there I, I – Really, them and the Lakers are the teams to talk about here. And we've talked mm-hmm. about the Lakers being getting a lot older. The Bulls have... The Bulls 
are buying in. They didn't buy in enough, really. They didn't really go all in to try to win now when they traded for Vucevic. And they kind of torpedoed themselves during the season when that happened. But now in the offseason, they went all in. And so getting Alonzo yeah. Ball, DeMar DeRozan, Alex Caruso, those are all starters. And you have Patrick Williams. And uh, so the starters are Lonzo, Levine, uh, DeRozan, Patrick Williams, and Vucevic. That's a great starting five. Their bench, trying to figure out who's on the bench and who comes off first, it's probably Caruso. It might be Kobe White, but I don't know if the or if the Bulls are going to keep a hold of Kobe White. Personally, I don't think he falls into their plans. And from what I've seen, he doesn't really fall into their plans. Considering how many guards they just they've brought in, uh, they they just brought in um, what's his name, uh, Javante Green, uh, as a guard. Alex Caruso, Lonzo Ball. A lot of Bulls, a lot of Bulls fans will say Kobe White's our sixth man. I don't think he's sixth man considering who who they just brought in. Yeah. I don't understand why the Bulls don't just cash in on him. He's injured right, right now, but now. his injury, I don't think, is going to be that bad. He's missing a summer off, but he is still a good player who's put up good numbers. He, multiple 30-point games. Mm-hmm. He's broken records Michael Jordan has. He is a good player. Yeah. just His shooting is streaky. His defense can be off, but that's stuff that can be coached. But I don't think it, it falls into the timeline of the Bulls right now. They're trying to win now. Though, yeah. the, the reasoning as to trying to win now is a bit iffy, though. I understand trying to keep Levine, but when Brooklyn is putting all their money in, Miami is too, well, the Brooklyn and the Milwaukee Bucks aren't going anywhere kind of have to question this yeah but yeah it's it's a weird spot because like you said this team is so much better now than they were last year and this will be a, a legitimate team a lot of good pieces and i and they they should work together but like you said are they better than brooklyn are they better than milwaukee are they better than atlanta no miami no, boston they're, they're not like and and that's and you know when it comes to the playoffs you can maybe say oh well you know you can win a series or two based off of chemistry or something like that or a player going off or stuff like that but still it Zach Levine's great but this team just doesn't seem like it would beat any of the top teams in the East the next couple of years. The fun- maybe I'm wrong. The fundamental maybe, maybe problems. Players- the fundamental problems with the Bulls were that. Levine was having the ball too much. Yeah. The Bulls weren't defending as a team properly. Yeah. And the Bulls just players weren't good enough, really, as a yeah. whole. They they had scorers. The scorers tried whatever they could to keep the team up, but the defense mm-hmm. just wasn't there and they weren't consistent offensively. Better offensive teams, better team units were just getting past them, no problem. So, 
I, I kind of mark that down to Billy Donovan's coaching. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. As for the Larry Markkinen is real wild card in their pocket right now because they could sign and trade him to somebody to get somebody out to get another player onto their team. I feel like yeah. the Bulls would have to throw in to get something good. They'd have to th- somebody good. They'd have to throw in Kobe White with them. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see a Kobe White, Larry Markkinen going somewhere in exchange for a player in the sign and trade. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, the Hornets. It's a project still, really. It's just a development project, and I like what's going on. Keep uh, moving a lot of these names is crucial, and I think we also might see Terry Rozier get moved, probably closer to the trade deadline for teams who need a point guard who's ready to go, who's clutch. Terry Clutch Rozier. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> though I wouldn't be surprised if the Hornets tried to move him right now. We'll see. There's still a lot of moves that can be made. Um, yeah, yeah. But basically my mental priorities for the Hornets would be keep Lamelo happy, keep Miles Bridges, keep P.J. Washington. Those are those are some core players you need to keep. Because mm-hmm. P.J. At, a, at the four is good enough in that he can stretch. He can be a five as well, but he can stretch the floor. Decent shooter. And can work in the paint. Miles can play the four and the three and can stretch and is box office. So um, mm-hmm. Airbnb, you know, Lamella Ball to Miles <laughs> Bridges. Um, nickname for that partnership right there. And Lamello is his, he played the end of the season injured, so it kind of skewed his, his sort of end of season performance. But I really think the Hornets have the best player in their history on their and uh, one of the best players in Hornets history ever in history um go, like all the way in the future with Lamelo Ball so you think he'll turn into one of the best Hornets he he will be uh, the can... best Hornet uh, assuming he stays at the Hornets long enough yeah i mean i can see it cuz but and Kemble Kemble is really good though Kemble's great yeah it's the the team that was put around him was the issue Right, it sort of right. hampered him. But I think considering what Mitch Kupchak is doing with this team, he, I, I really like this. I'm kind of disappointed to see Devontae Graham go, though his value was much more than we'd probably want to keep him for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bring him, bringing him in for a second, turning him into a first, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good work. Yeah, pretty that's good true. Deal. So um, I believe that is everything uh, I've got. You got anything else to add? No, right. no. It's, it's a long podcast today uh yeah. two hours but uh a lot of stuff you know we got a lot of stuff to talk about i i always find myself surprised how much we have to talk about in the off season of everything right right i know but uh i know you know we we got a couple more weeks of off season and stuff to talk about so we'll see what happens then i guess and then we'll analyze games oh I, i'm ready yeah, I'm already ready for basketball, man. But football games yeah. are gonna be fun. Can't I'm ready wait. for college football. Yeah, it's that's gonna be real fun, oh, man. But uh, until SBC next media. time, um, thank you all for listening and uh, stay safe out there. Have a good one, everyone. <laughs>